thinking about making some big changes or setting some ambitious goals for yourself. Maybe you want to lose 20 pounds or read through the Bible. Maybe you want to run a marathon or repair a broken relationship. Whatever your big goal is, the temptation is to expect to go straight from here to here or from here to here. The reality is there are a lot of small steps between big decisions and big results. Challenges and obstacles await. At some point, you might even want to quit. But stand firm. Don't be disappointed with slow progress. Don't be overwhelmed by the destination. Rather, focus on what you can do today. Skip dessert. Read a chapter. Go for a run. Make a phone call. The more difficult the journey, the more rewarding the destination. And it can all start today with just one small step. Amen. How do you walk a mile? You start with the first step. If you just stand there, you're never going to get anywhere. Amen. You got to start somewhere. What a great way to start. First Sunday on a new year, you're in the right place. Amen. What better place to start the new year than in the house of God? And what better gift than God to give us a brand new baby? Amen. Wasn't that a great, great news? Yes. Hallelujah. You know what? There has not been a single day in the past five years, almost six years now, that somebody in this church wasn't pregnant. Not a single day. Somebody, somebody's been pregnant every day in this church for the past six years. Praise God. What a blessing. Don't drink the water, they said. <laughs> oh, praise God. I was thinking about the sermon this week, and a song came to mind. It's an old hymn, and it says, I am resolved no longer to linger. Charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, they shall allure my sight. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. Jesus, uh, how's it go? Jesus, the uh, greatest and highest, I will come to thee. I knew the first verse, but I didn't know the other, so I pulled it up. It says, I am resolved to go to the Savior leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He has the words of life. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he's saying. Do what he willeth. He is the living way. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the path of sin. Friends may oppose me. Foes may beset me. Still, I will enter in. I am resolved, and who will go with me? Come, friends, without delay. Taught by the Bible, led by the Spirit, we will walk the heavenly way. I am resolved. Thinking about New Year's resolutions on the first Sunday of the, first of the new year, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of not, things not seen. Now, the word hope there actually means a certain expectation. 
Faith is the things that we have a certain expectation for. In the New Living Translation, it says faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. So you could read it this way. Faith is the confidence that the things I am believing for, I can have a certain expectation that they will actually happen. Faith gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. So think about it. New Year resolutions. Have you made a resolution for the new year? Are you resolved? that you're going to do certain things, and do you have a certain expectation that you will actually do the things that you have resolved in your heart? So when we think about New Year's resolutions, faith gives me a confidence that the things that I need to do, I know that I can do them through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Amen? I want you to say that with me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Now, we have a certain expectation. And if we really do have that expectation, we need to be kind of like the little train that could. You remember that story? He's chugging up the hill and he says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Except we're going to change that to say, I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. Why? Because I have Jesus Christ to strengthen me. And his word is yea, it is amen. He is not a man that he might lie. And if God said I can do it, then I can do it. Now you say, Pastor, I know I can, but how do I do those things? You know that I'm a how-to preacher. All right? I want to give you something to take away from here that you can take and actually apply to your life and make it a reality. Amen? So before we get into the Word, let's just get God in on the scene. And Father, we just ask you right now for the Holy Spirit to come, Lord. Anoint this time. Father, right now we pray that this whole atmosphere of this sanctuary, God, would just be saturated with your presence, Lord. As always, God, I bind every spirit that would distract God, everything that is not of you, Lord, even the things that I speak, Lord. Let nothing of the flesh be revealed, Lord, but that which is of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now. Come, minister to every single heart, Lord. We're starting a brand new year with you. And God, we want to start it right. We want to live it right. God, we want to finish it right. So Holy Spirit, we're asking you right now, anoint this time, anoint the word in Jesus' name, amen. Now, people have been making New Year resolutions for over 3,000 years. This practice dates all the way back to the time of the ancient Babylonians. To start the new year, it makes us think about new beginnings, kind of a reset, place to start over. It's a new starting line. After all, how do you walk a mile? You got to start somewhere. All right, some people run marathons. I have never understood that. Brother, if you see me running, call 911. Because something's after me. I've right, Since I was a kid, I used to run a lot, but I just never have liked to run with some people. But you can't, get, you can't complete a marathon until you take the first step. You got to start somewhere. And what better place than a New Year resolution to start? But when we get right down to it,
There is absolutely no difference whatsoever between 11.59 p.m. December the 31st and 12.01 a.m. January the 1st. I mean, there's no like a big magical reset button that we hit and everything starts over. There's no cosmic calendar that flips and all of a sudden everything in the past 365 days is erased. There's nothing magical about that moment except it's just in our mind. It's a starting place. It's a starting time that is simply in our mind. And it's when a lot of people resolve to improve themselves. But that has always been befuddling to me. Why do people wait for the new year to resolve to be better? This is the day the Lord has made. Every day. It's brand new every single morning. Praise God, when I get up every day, it's a brand new day. Yesterday is gone and all the mistakes and everything that's in it, I get a brand new start today. Isn't God so good? He's the God of new beginnings. So why do so many people wait for the new year to improve? Now, the Bible doesn't forbid us from making goals and plans for the upcoming year. In fact, I think that's a very good idea. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. But you need to realize that God may change your plans. Come on. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. You can make all kinds of plans, but brother, God's really, the, he's in charge of the whole deal. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Aren't you glad God's got a plan for your life? Amen. So each year, millions of people make New Year resolutions to make a change. Most, if not all of them, is to improve themselves. Right? I mean, I don't know anybody that said, I am going to just ruin my health this year. I'm going to eat everything that's bad for me. I'm going to just try to kill myself with food. No people, most people say, well, no, I'm going to try to eat better and eat healthier. I don't know anybody that says, I'm going to ruin my credit this year. I'm going to max out every credit card. I'm just going to just go wild and crazy with, with money. No, most people take Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey and say, I'm going to try to save some money. I'm going to try to reduce some debts or erase debts this year. You know, I, I plan to be a miserable, complete jerk this year. Just tick everybody off. I don't know anybody that resolves to do bad things. We resolve to do good things. You know, I want to be kinder to people. I want to be more thoughtful and more patient and more loving and more generous. So here's a question. Should we make a New Year's resolution? And the answer to that, of course we should. There's not a thing wrong with that. In fact, it's a very good thing. Now, I've heard pastors preach that you shouldn't do that because in James it says, say not today or tomorrow I will do this or that, but say, if God wills, I will do this or go to that city. And, and while that is true, we need to understand that my plans needs to somehow fit into God's plans. Amen. But we do need to make some New Year's resolutions. But why do we wait to the new year to start a new day? I think we should make a new resolution every single day. Every day we commit our life to Jesus Christ. 
So we need, do need to improve. How many of you know you need to improve? I don't think there's any perfect people in here. I've only known a few perfect people. And if you didn't think they were perfect, just ask them. They will tell you. Or you try to bring correction in their life. And oh, they'll let you know real quick, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, they're the only perfect person I know. But most of us are not perfect. Right? And I stand at the head of that line. I have many imperfections. So we do need to improve. So if you see the necessity for making a resolution to improve, that is a clear indication that there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Amen. You look in the mirror, there's something wrong with that. So people, every year, they make New Year resolutions. The top 20, these are the top 20 resolutions according to the survey. Don't you like surveys? I was pumping gas the other day. It's totally off the note, but it just popped into my head. I was pumping gas the other day, and you know that little news flash thing that comes up on the thing? Does it bug you? Sometimes it does, but sometimes I'm like, I'm not really thinking about anything anyway because I'm kind of empty-headed, but it came up, and it said the, the, the top four most dependable cars in America. You want to know what they are? The top four. Number fourth most dependable car in the, in, the, in the national survey, and it came no surprise to me, was a Ford. <laughs> F-O-R-D, fourth most dependable car. The second, anybody got a guess? It was a Honda. The third most dependable car in America was a Honda. The second most dependable car in America. Any guess? Toyota. The number one most dependable car in America, according to the survey, was? Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Amen. I just thought I'd throw that in there. It made my day, brother. I'm like, Happy New Year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you love me, Pat? <laughs> me and Pat have been going back and forth about Ford and Chevrolet for years. But now I got the proof, brother. I'm going to tell you. Number one, New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight in the new year. I've never made that resolution, as you can see. I just, I'm... Number two, I'm going to start exercising. Now, I have actually made that one. Anybody ever made a New Year's resolution? I'm going to start exercising this year. I'm going to go to the, hit the gym and hit the weights and whatever, hit the treadmill, the Stairmaster, rowing machine, swimming, bicycling, bicycling, whatever. Number three, I'm going to quit smoking this year. I, I, at one time, I made that resolution many times every New Year rolled around. Number four, the most, fourth most uh, uh, normal New Year's resolution, I'm going to quit drinking. I hope you're in the church. We don't have to deal with that, but some people have an issue with that, and I understand that. Number five, I'm going to get a new job. <laughs> Anybody want to get a new job this year? Are you with me? Say amen. All right. <laughs> Number six, I'm going to get out of debt this year. Now, that's a good one. I like that one. Number seven, I'm going to save money this year. Number eight, I'm going to eat healthier. How many of us need to make that one? Come on. All right. Me and Jeannie, we've been working on that because I don't, I mean, I eat whatever's in front of me. It's the easiest thing to grab, you know. Five buck lunch at Dairy Queen. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, get a hamburger, fries, a soda, and a sundae for $5.38. One lady, when I pull up, she knows who it is. Got to order the same thing every time. 
She said, I knew that was you. She can tell by my order. Maybe my voice. I don't know. That's not the healthiest thing in the world. But God said, if you give thanks for it, he will sanctify it. Amen. <laughs> He'll even sanctify a pig. Bacon and everything, you know. But we do need to eat healthier. I'm going to get organized. Number nine. Ten, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Well, I thought that should have been on up like two or three, maybe number one. Number 11, I'm going to manage stress better. Number 12, I'm going to enjoy life to the fullest. Shame people living their life and don't even enjoy it. Number 13, I'm going to stop procrastinating. Boy, anybody in here need to do that. Like, uh, how many of you remember Paul Kettle? Huh? I'm going to fix that one of these days. <laughs> anybody know who I'm talking about? Mom, Paul Kettle? Well, get the, it's old from way back. You need to get that. He's always borrowing everything. Where was I? Number, uh, I'm going to stop crash. Number 14, I'm going to travel more. Number 15, I'm going to improve relationships. Number 16, I'm going to learn a new language. I tried that one one time, but I know hablo español muy bien, pero hablo muy poco. No comprende muy bien. I didn't do too much. That's about the total, sum total of the Spanish that I learned, you know. We were going to, actually going to Tecate, Mexico, and I was like, I want to learn to have, at least ask them, do you speak, hablo English? <laughs> do you speak my language? And they're like, no hablo muy bien. So, all right, but anyway, I'm going to learn a new language. I'm going to get more sleep. Anybody need to make that one? I'm going to get more sleep this year. I like that one. The Bible says it's vanity to rise early and sit up late and eat the bread of sorrow. For God gives his beloved sleep. <laughs> I like sleeping. I don't get much of it, but I do like it when I do get it. Number 18, spend less time on Facebook. I thought, boy, that one needs to move up the scale because some people every morning and all day long, you know, that live on that thing. My goodness, I've gone there once in a while. Years ago, I told, I told the worship team, I'm like, if you got something on your face page that you don't want me to see, you need to get it off. Because I'm, I'm getting a Facebook account in two weeks. You got two weeks. <laughs> and I want you to friend me. Because if you're going to be on this platform, I want to know that you're living holy. Okay, so let's, and a couple of them came and said, Pastor, there's some stuff on there, but it's from way back. And I don't know how to get it off. I'm like, all right, well, you told me, but it's okay. Number 19, I'm going to spend less time watching television. Okay, we spend half our life watching television. And then number 20 was get rid of some old clothes. My wife, she took care of all of that. Somebody said, I like your vest. I said, it's like everything else I got, she bought it. I don't dress myself anymore. I'm like, a, I'm in my second childhood. She dresses me. <laughs> So if it don't look right, blame her, all right? <laughs> Unfortunately, as good as our plans are, many fail to achieve their goals. One-third of all New Year resolutions will be abandoned in the first two weeks. One-third. And over half will be abandoned within the first six months. The sad survey that I saw was only 45% of people in America make a New Year resolution. That's less than half. What that tells me that 55%, over half the people in America have either given up on improving themselves or they just don't care. We need to be doing better, amen? 
All of us need it, need, need to be improved. So <clears throat> you don't have to become one of these statistics. Because Hebrew tells me that faith is the confidence that the things that I am believing for, I can have a certain expectation that they will actually happen. Faith gives me assurance about the things that I cannot see. I know I can. Say that with me. I know I can. Because Jesus said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's get into the meat of the message this morning. A New Year resolution is simply the question, what am I going to focus on this year and how am I going to spend my time achieving that goal? What am I going to focus on this year and how am I going to spend my time achieving that goal? Now, one of the most convicting passages of Scripture that I read in the Bible, every time I read it, I'm convicted, and I think you should be convicted as well because we can always spend our time better and on better things. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly. Now, the word circumspectly means with purpose. With purpose. One of those New Year resolutions we read was, I'm going to enjoy my life to the fullest. A lot of people's lives are going on without their permission. They're not involved in their own life. It's just going. Situations and circumstances is living their life for them. Their life is completely out of their control. Having a purpose gives me something to live for. And what he is saying is, I am going to live my life, I'm going to walk circumspectly with a purpose because everyone who does not do that, the Bible says, you are a fool. Read it with me. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, because either you're walking with a purpose or you are a fool. I mean, there's really no middle ground. You are one or you are the other. So walk with a purpose, not as a fool, but as wise. You want wisdom? Get a purpose. And it needs to be a purpose that came from God. So walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. How do we do that? Verse 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. If I don't have control of my life and what I'm doing, the purposes that I'm living for, then I am living out my days in evil because I am not redeeming the time. You say, well, what does redeem mean? W.E. Vines Expository Dictionary, that's a Bible dictionary, defines redeem this way. Making the most of every opportunity, turning each to the best advantage since none can be recalled if you miss them. Every opportunity that I have, if I'm going to redeem that, I make the most out of it. How are you spending your time? Are you living your life with a God-centered purpose? And are you spending your time fulfilling and achieving that goal? That's what he is challenging us to do. So how do we redeem the time? He tells us in verse 17. Wherefore, 
In other words, because you're living your life with purpose, you're not living your life as a fool, you're redeeming your time, you're taking every opportunity and using it to the fullest uh, advantage. He says, wherefore, for that reason, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to know what God's will is. And no matter what resolutions you may have made in the new year, the number one resolution that we should make is God what is your will for my life this year? And how do I spend my time achieving that goal? Amen? Now, death draws our attention to how we spend our time more than anything else. Now, some years ago, I was called and asked to, to conduct a funeral for a family member that I happen to know their entire life, and I know that they wasted their whole life in sinful behavior and sinful living. They never, to my knowledge, made any commitment to Christ whatsoever. And they asked me to do the funeral. Brother, I'm going to tell you as a pastor, that's some of the toughest things you will do. I mean, what, can, what are you going to say? You, you can't really talk about this person and comfort the people. What are you going to say? And I mean, it's, it's really tough. And so as I prayed about it, I'm like, Lord, what do I, how do I approach this? I was compelled to speak on the topic of time and how we spend it. And as I was pondering over that, and I've used this many times in sermons, in speaking to people, in funerals, both of saved and of lost people, you know, because this applies to us all. And as I was pondering over that, I remember an old song from the 70s. It says, if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend time with you. If I could make days last forever, if words could make wishes come true, I'd save every day like a treasure and then again I would spend them with you. But there never seems to be enough time to do the things I want to do once you find them. I've looked around enough to know that you're the one I want to go through time with. It's a great song. I think the lyrics are very meaningful. Actually, even though it's not a Christian song, it's, it's a meaningful song. I want to spend time with, on important things. Amen. But when I pondered on that and the point that I brought out in that funeral is you can't put time in a bottle. You can't save a day. You can't make a day last forever. You can't stop time. You can't slow it down. You can't turn it off. You can't adjust it. All the money in the world can't buy you one more second. Time marches on, and once it's gone, it's gone. The only thing you can do with time is redeem it. What did he say? Make the most of every opportunity, turning each to the best advantage, since none can be recalled if you miss them. How many of you would like to go back and turn the clock back and redo some things? Amen? I, I, I would love to spend my time different. I would. I mean, being a grandparent and, and helping raise my grandchildren, what a, a, an incredible blessing that is. But it convicts me because I see things that I wished I had done with my children that I don't have that opportunity to do anymore. You know, so you want to take advantage of every opportunity because yesterday is gone. And this is what I brought in, out in that funeral. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow holds no guarantees. When you wake up, you turn the page from history to the present. All we have is right here, right now. Time is one of the most precious gifts that you have been given. You can waste it. You can worry over it. You can spend it on things that don't matter or you can redeem it come on what should we be doing with our time 
He says, walk circumspectly. Redeem your time. Walk circumspectly means you have to have purpose. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Turn it to the best advantage. And, and most of all, understand what the word, will of the Lord is. And therein is the purpose and the real resolution for January the 1st or today, January the 6th or January the 15th or February or June or September or August or October. It doesn't matter. We need to redeem every moment. We need to make resolutions every day and find, God, what is your will for my life and how can I spend my time fulfilling that purpose? Because I like, how many of you know who Kathy Gifford is? Regis and Kathy Lee, she was on TV for years, and I don't know that the woman's lived a holy life. I really haven't followed her, but I think she has always been bold about her testimony and her belief in Jesus Christ. And in recent years, she has really come out about that. And I mean, she doesn't hold back. I mean, she talks about Jesus Christ as the Lord of Lords. He's my Lord and Savior. In him we live and move and have our being. I mean, she's just like flat out preaching and some of the things that I've seen her in recently. And she made a statement that was really profound and I've taken hold of that and, and I, I repeat it from time to time. This is what she said. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. I thought, man, that is so good. Doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how young you are, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Isn't that awesome? You have a purpose. What is God's purpose for your life? And are you redeeming the time fulfilling that? What is God's will for your life? Are you walking in it? Well, you say, no, no, not always. I mean, I can't say that I'm walking in the perfect will of God. I'm certainly trying to. But as I said, we all have places for improvement. One way you can resolve how to better walk in the ways of God is if there's something standing between you and fulfilling God's will for your life, get rid of it. Get rid of it. All right? If there's something standing between me and God's purpose, I need to just get it out of my life. Get rid of it. And I, one time we, I preached a, a sermon on house cleaning. And we may need to go visit that again. Sometimes we just need to go have a house cleaning. Is there things that's hindering my walk with Jesus? Get, get it out. I, I, we visited before we planted the church here. We visited a Nazarene church down the road here. Where's Caleb at? Wave at me. Caleb and, and Prissy. Prissy grew up in that church, my daughter-in-law. And Caleb was on the board down there for many years before they moved in the community and started coming here. Well, when we went there, you remember the youth group and they had the big trash can and brought it up to the front of the church and set up there? KC for JC. That was the name of the youth group. And Larry Jones was their pastor then. Great man. I loved him. And uh, he preached a sermon on house cleaning. And I mean, they were bringing CDs. And uh, you remember that, Prissy? Bring all kinds of stuff. They were cleaning their house out. Why? Because that stuff was hindering their walk with Jesus. If there's something between you and God, get rid of it. Now, there's two areas that... Um, let me, let me, I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. There's two areas of improvement that is needed in most people's life. Habits and addictions. Now, habits are things that I choose to do. Addictions are things that I become addicted to, I have to do. And those are usually two things that we need to work on to clean up our life. You say, well, how do I stop those things? 
You know, there are things that I choose to do, and, and I just, I just don't, I don't want to do them, but I keep doing them, I keep doing them. There are things that you are addicted to. It's like, I seem like I can't stop. How do I stop doing that? Well, I'm not an expert on this, so I, I consulted an expert, all right? And so I, I'm going to provide you the counsel of a well-known counselor of how you can do that. Deb, if you'd roll that for me. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Uh, still being a very alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, <laughs> let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I... Um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And I, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You ready? Yes. Okay, you're there. Stop it! (laughs) I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? (laughs) You you know, it's funny. I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. Yes. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no, no. We, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. 
Good girl. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. <laughs> I only have a five, so. Well, I I don't I don't make change. <laughs> then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! Not of some kind. Don't don't do that. But I'm I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me. No 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 no. No, we de- we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! You, you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You stop it! You stop it! What's, what's the problem, Kathy? like this therapy at all you're just telling me to stop it and and you and you don't you don't like that no i don't so you think we're we're moving too fast is that it yes yes i do all right then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that i i think will uh, clear everything up for you uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one all right Ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! Uh, doctor... Can you stop it? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Just stop it. Now, some people may say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor. You're not the one with the habit or the addiction. <clears throat> the thing that stands in the way of doing the will of God can be removed in Jesus' name. Uh, we need to understand that it can be removed, and I can remove them because he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some people will at that point say, well, yeah, but you just don't understand, blah, 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 blah. And I have to stop you right there. Because if your philosophy is that, well, you just don't understand how hard it is, and you've got all of these excuses and everything, if that scenario is true, then God is a liar. Because he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you say, oh, but you just don't understand. Baloney. You can. You can. Stop it. Now, you may, be, may not be able to stop it just like that. <laughs> or I'll bury you in a box. I mean, come on. But you can stop it. 
we shouldn't have any excuses. Hebrews 11 says that our faith is the confidence that I, the things I am believing for, I can have certain expectation that they will actually happen. Now, how? Habits and addictions are like a mad dog. All right? If you had a dog and you had that thing in a pen or on a chain and every time you went to feed it, that thing is going for your juggler vein and it's ripping your arms off and eating you alive, what would you do with that thing? I don't know about you, but me and Mr. Remington would visit that dog. One permanent fix would take care of that. So there's one way you can deal with habits and addictions. Stop it. Just kill it. Just get rid of it all in one bold step. So you're going to do one of three things. You're either going to stop it, you're going to kill it, or <clears throat> let, me, let me say it this way. It's not always that easy. It isn't always that easy because sometimes things don't just die instantly. Because some people say, well, I would love to kill it, Pastor, but you just won't die. Because there's only two ways you're going to kill something. You're either going to kill it with your own willpower or you're going to kill it through the will of God or by the will of God. Now, I have some personal testimony about that myself. Because I had some things that I had to deal with and I tried and tried and tried to overcome those things and I couldn't. <clears throat> because I realized, and what you should realize, is God will never rid you of something without your involvement. In other words, why God just take this away from me? Just, just deal with it. And God's like, no, I won't deal with it without your involvement. You have to have faith and apply your faith for God to act. He doesn't just take problems out of our life. You have to be engaged and you have to be involved. Not everyone has the willpower to just stop something, to just kill it. So God doesn't always just kill it. And he doesn't always just rid you of something right away. The video at the beginning said, we like to get from here to here or here to there in one bold step. But a lot of times it takes many small steps to get there. Because I had an addiction to tobacco, and I've shared this with some of you, and some of you that are just coming in, you may not have known that. But for many years, I smoked, I chewed tobacco sometimes, both at the same time. I would have a chew of Levi Garrett in my mouth smoking a Winston at the same time. I mean, I, a, a, nicotine is the most addictive drug known to man. And if you're here this morning and you have an addiction to nicotine, listen, you're not going to hell uh, that's, I can't find the Bible where that's going to send you to hell. Don't, don't walk out of here thinking I'm saying that. But it does affect your testimony. I mean, I would be telling people about Jesus blowing smoke in their face. And I'm like, they can't hear me because of what they see. It affected my testimony. You know, the same thing with drinking. I'm not going to say that if you have a glass of wine with your meal, you're going to hell. But I can tell you that there's some people in the world that see that as if you're a Christian, you shouldn't do that. It does affect your testimony. And if the perfect will of God is for me to have a testimony that is above reproach, I don't want those things in my life. I don't want you to be able to pull that out and say, yeah, I saw you coming out with a six-pack in your cart. Don't tell me about Jesus. You know, I see you with a pack of Winston's in your pocket. Don't tell me about Jesus. Because I'm not living the perfect will. That's standing between me and him. And if there's something standing between me and the perfect will of God, I want to get rid of it. 
Amen? So I'm not condemning you if you have those problems. I had that problem. And some of you have addictions in your life. Mine was tobacco. It was nicotine. You may have a different addiction. But I'm telling you this morning, you can stop it. You can stop it. Because Jesus said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I don't care how big of a grip it has on you. Brother, I tried and tried, tried everything and I couldn't quit. It had a grip on me. But I had to do it one small step at a time. And I believe that God was waiting till I really, really, really got serious about this thing. I mean, I actually sat down and wrote a covenant in writing with God. Lord, if you will take this from me, I swear before you, I will never, ever do this again. And still, I I mean, I tried everything. And so finally what I did is I, the second thing you can do, you can either kill it or you can starve it. You can starve it to death. I went from a pack, a little over a pack a day to a half a pack a day. I went from a half a pack a day to uh, just one right after you eat. Come on, if you've ever been a smoker, after you eat, boy, I'm like, it's like, there's nothing better than that cigarette, you know. And so I went to one right after I eat. So I'm down to like two or three a day and I'm like, I'm starving this thing today. You know, that mad dog standing there, I may not, I may not kill you, but I can tell you right now, you're not eating today. And then tomorrow you're going to go hungry too and the next day. You know, you can gradually starve it. And I believe at that point in my life, in my testimony, when I got to that point, God showed up. I went to a church on Wednesday night. It was the very first Pentecostal church that Jeannie and I had ever belonged to. And I actually went to the altar to pray with a friend of mine. And a little short deacon about this tall, his name was Randy Carpenter. He came up there, and they knew, all knew I smoked. I mean, you wear your white Sunday shirt and Winston through the pocket, them little thin shirts, you know. And I didn't hide it. I actually went up and asked the pastor. I said, because he said God delivered him just like that. And I went up one Sunday. I said, he said, what do you want? I said, I want God to do for me what he did for you. I said, I have tried everything to stop smoking. I can't stop. And he said, if God, I said, if God set you free, he can set me free. And he went to pray for me. And I said, before you pray, I said, I'm going to tell you something now. I, I hate pretense. I hate people that are disingenuous. I don't like that. If I walk out of here and I want a cigarette, I'm firing it up. I am not going to pretend God did something that he didn't do to please you or anybody. He said, that's fair enough. So he prayed for me. I smoked one on the way home. Wanted it as bad as before I went to church. Nothing happened. But that Wednesday night, I had gotten to the point where I'd been starving this thing. I went down to the altar. I knelt down. Randy came up. He said, brother, why don't you let God set you free from them cigarettes? I said, Randy, there is nothing I want more. He said, God will set you free and he'll set you free tonight. Come on, he believed that. Faith is believing the things that I believe for are actually going to happen. And he was operating in faith that night. I've seen that faith work before. I've had it work in my own life praying for other people. Do you hear me? He said, God will set you free tonight. He said, why don't you lay him on the altar? I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, but I will let you lay him on the altar for me. And that little rascal, he liked to rip my shirt pocket off, man. <laughs> He jerked them things out, and he didn't lay them on the altar. They bounced off of the back wall. He threw them, and they said, he grabbed me by the head and started praying in the spirit. And that was, nine, that was July of 1980. It was the year my daughter was born. I got up from that altar, and I walked out the door of that church, and from that day to this day, I have never craved nicotine a day in my life. Amen. But you can't stop it. You can kill it. You can starve it to death. 
<laughs> my dad, I mean, see, my dad had the same problem. And he was going to Bible college. He and another guy, they both smoked. They smoked non-filtered camel cigarettes. How I many of you remember those? I know what they were because I used to go and sneak them when we were kids. And we'd puff on those things, man. We'd find cigarette butts on the side of the road. I mean, we didn't know whose lips wrapped around that thing. We didn't care. <laughs> Little mountain boys, dumb as a pack of hammers and mean as rattlesnakes. Tough as a pine knot, all of us. But anyway, he, he and his friend, they decided they were going to quit smoking. He threw his out the window and never picked him up again. And his friend, he was kind of like me. He, he, didn't, he didn't make it. But my dad had that kind of willpower. Some of you have that kind of willpower. But some of you, you got to take those small steps. But you can get there. It doesn't matter what it is. You can get there. And you need to understand that. Starve it. See, I fed you yesterday, but today you're going to go hungry, Rover. Amen. <laughs> Habits and addictions, they didn't just happen like that. You don't, you, don't, you don't have a habit tomorrow. You develop that habit. It takes time to develop it. It takes time to develop a, an addiction. And sometimes it takes time to overcome those things and to defeat those things. So this year, make up your mind. If there's some things in your life that needs to change, if there's something standing between you and fulfilling the will of God, start. To, how, do you, how do you run a mile? You take the first step. You have to start somewhere. And if I can't get there in one bold step, then I'm going to take the first step. And then I'm going to take the next. And if I take three, take three back, I'm going to take four forward. But I will not stop until I get there. Because you can do this. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't know what you may be struggling with, but you can overcome it. Habits, addictions, demonic strongholds, they are all the same. The more you feed them, the stronger they become. The more you starve them, the weaker they become. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Something that is weak is easier to kill than something that is strong. So if you can't get there all at once, get there a little at a time, but get there. If you don't have the willpower to stop it, then starve it. Don't just give up. Now, I'm going to give you 10 steps and then I'm going to close. 10 steps to success. You ready? Step number one, try. Step number two, try again. Step number three, try once more. Step number four, try a little harder. Step number five, try it different. Number six, try it again tomorrow. Number seven, try it again and ask for help. Number eight, try to determine what's not working. Number nine, try to determine what is working. Number 10, just keep trying. Don't quit, because you can get there, amen? One of three things you're going to do, you're going to kill it, you're going to starve it, or you're going to feed it. Half of the people that make a commitment will stop. And they will not fulfill that commitment because they just keep feeding it. And why do they feed it? Are they feeding it because they love it? No, if you love to do it, you wouldn't be making a commitment or a resolution to stop doing it. It's not because that they love to do it. It's not because you love to do it. It's because you don't know how to overcome it. And this morning, I just felt like I wanted to give you some, some very usable tools of how to overcome it. 
Take the first step. Don't just sit down in defeat and say, I can't, and start making all these excuses. Well, you just don't understand. Oh, yes, I do understand. You're not trying. You have given up. You have yielded. You've given the enemy the field. Go back and take what the enemy stole from you. God has given you the power. He's with you to strengthen you and help you. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. (laughs) I'm like Bob Newhart. No, no, we don't go there. No, no, we definitely don't go there. Amen. So don't tell me you can't. We don't go there. You can. It's just a matter of will you. If you say it's too hard... If you just say it's too hard and you just keep on feeding it, it'll bury you alive. Amen? The last scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We're cast down, but we are not destroyed. We're always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means I'm killing my flesh. I'm putting to death those things that shouldn't be there. That the life of Jesus Christ might be made manifest in our body. People need to be seeing Jesus in you. Living in victory. Number 11, verse 11 says, For we which live are always delivered unto this death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Because if you don't kill the flesh, the manifestation of Jesus will not be seen in you. Brother, let me tell you something. Sometimes we're trying to cast out demons. And I was talking to somebody about that today. The other day, there's a resurgence of demonology being taught in Louisa. I just caught wind of it. And I may be addressing some of that in the future so that you don't get caught up in that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus does not roommate with a demon. You're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. There's no demons in there. And no demons can get in there. Because Jesus lives in there and he's not going to pal around with a demon. You can be demon oppressed. But you're not, you're not, you don't need deliverance from a demon. All right, just wanted to clarify that. Because you you can't, you you don't cast out demons. You you can't cast out the flesh. The problem we have is with this flesh. So I need to put this to death. And that's what he's talking about. We need to keep putting this flesh to death that Jesus may be manifested. And in verse 16, he says this. For which cause we faint not. It's exactly what I've been talking about this morning. I'm not going to give up. If it takes one step, then the next, then the next, I'm not going to give up. We faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Church, don't just wait. If, if you have made a resolution and you, you don't carry through on it, and in two weeks you've already given up, or in six months you've given up, don't sit back in defeat. Every single day, is a brand new day and you can start over every morning church I'm going to tell you something I fail at many things but I the love of Jesus Christ is the most amazing thing because I get up I'm like God how could you love me 
I am such a miserable failure. How could you love me? But he does. And every morning, no matter how bad you messed up yesterday, whether you did something willingly or it did you unintentionally, every day you can start over. Don't wait till 2020 to make a new resolution. You can make one tomorrow, and then you can make one Tuesday, and you can make one Wednesday and Thursday, and just keep on until that thing is not an issue in your life anymore. And remember this, you're not in the battle alone. Why don't you stand with me as I read this off and we're going to close. You're not in the battle alone because not only are you making resolutions, God has made resolves as well. He is resolved to never leave you nor forsake you. God has resolved that He will guide you. Psalms 32 eight says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in thy ways which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eyes. God is resolved to give you hope. I like the passage that Brian opened up with. It's in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, and I agree with him. I love this scripture. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. The Bible says all things work together for good to those above God and those are called according to His purpose. God is resolved to meet your needs. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. God is resolved to pick you up if you, every time that you fall. 1 John 2.1 says, My little children, these things are right unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. God has resolved to finish the work that He has begun in you. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which has begun a good work in you, He'll perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God makes resolutions too? And all those resolves is pertaining to my good and your good. Amen. Amen. Would you just bow your head this morning? Before we leave the church today, I know we prayed last week ending the year and committing our lives to Christ. But this morning, if there is something that is challenging you, something that is standing between you and fulfilling the will of God in your life, you need to get rid of that. And the way that you do that is you take the first step. And so if there is something that you would like to see defeated in your life in 2019, why don't you take the first step this morning and just step right out of your seat where you are and just come and this is between you and God and just kneel before the Lord and say, God, faith has been uh, increased in my heart this morning through the word. I know that I can do this because Jesus, you're here to strengthen me. And I'm gonna take the first step today to bring that to pass. I'm gonna ask the worship team just to minister to us for a minute. And right all across the sanctuary this morning, I'm going to ask you if there's something between you and God preventing you from fulfilling the will of God in your life, why don't you take the first step this morning and say, God, I'm going to start right now dealing with this issue as they minister. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. 
Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.